welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome, welcome to my favorite coffee story. We're so happy you've joined us. We have an amazing show. We're going to talk about how would Alexa order coffee. We have a very special guest today, Charlie Kindle, who leads product development for the smart home capabilities of Alexa at Amazon. So we are so thrilled that Charlie is joining us. And before we we get into our show, we are going to have our Anikona Farm moment. And there's so much fun going on at the farm. First of all, we've had a tremendous amount of rain, but that hasn't stopped us in having wonderful moments on the farm. Our trees are looking great after their pruning. We've been roasting coffee, and we've had some really nice visits on the farm with some friends. We actually have a wonderful friend visiting with us from Seattle right now. We just had a nice long walk, and we've enjoyed great times out on the deck. So the farm is really a special place for us to share these time with family and friends, and we're so grateful. So... What we'd like to do is now introduce our very special guest, Charlie Kindle. And he is does an amazing job leading product development for smart home capabilities of Alexa at Amazon, as I mentioned. So we are so delighted you've joined us, Charlie. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. Hi, Aniko. It's great to hear your voice. Oh, it's great to hear yours, Charlie, and we are so thankful you're here with us. Uh, you just have an amazing story to share, and I thought it would be really fun, Charlie, to start maybe with your early days of your career, a little bit about your growing up days. So I think you had four sisters, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I uh, Somehow, uh, my parents, I think, uh, really wanted a boy. Um, and they kept trying, and as a result of that, I ended up being the youngest in a family of four older sisters, um, which uh, um, I don't know how many of your listeners have had any sort of experience similar to that, but it was definitely interesting for me. <laughs> what were some of those special memories as you were all growing up as kids with your family? Um, you know, it was interesting. I, when, I, that, when I became an adult, um, all of my sisters just kind of gave me a blanket apology for how they treated me. Um, it, it, I mean, it, does, it might come across sounding overly harsh, but it was <laughs> it was mostly fun. I was I, I they they uh, they they let's let me put it this way: they were very good at getting me to do things for them. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so fun. And where did you grow up, Charlie? I grew up in Vail, Colorado. And is it true? Did your parents have a lodge there in Vail, Colorado? Yeah, my my. My parents moved to Vail in the very early 60s when it was just being formed as a ski town. Um, and they built one of the first hotels in Vail. It's still there. It's called the Christiania Lodge. Um, and it's uh, uh, really cool if you ever go to Vail, it'd be a great place to stay. We have no relationship with it anymore. Um, but, yeah, they were there really early. They built one of the first uh, hotels. My dad was, uh, uh, was actually the first mayor of Vail. Um, uh, he was on the ski patrol. He was a volunteer, volunteer fireman. He was a deputy sheriff. Um, uh, and, uh, they were there at the very beginning. Um, obviously Vail was a lot different then than it is now. Now it is, you know, these enormous, uh, luxury ski resorts, you know, world known. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I grew up. And that's incredible. And you have such an amazing family and such inspiring parents and that's probably also why you're just a great skier all around um, and, and do all your, your skiing and your heli skiing. So how did you end up at the University of Arizona? Tell us a little bit about some of your favorite classes there. <laughs> you know, I, got, I ended up at, at, at the University of Arizona, um, you know, like most kids in high school, trying to figure out where you're going to go to college. There's a lot of dynamics at play. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to be involved in, in either computers or cars. Um, and I was leaning more towards computers. 
Um, and so I applied to Michigan and Arizona. I was the only two schools I applied to. And I applied to the uh, automotive engineering school in Michigan and um, the industrial engineering and systems engineering school at the University of Arizona. And I ended up making my decision to be frank um, based on the weather. <laughs> um, I decided I didn't want to be cold. Um, and, that, and it was also, to be fair, it was also an in-state uh, school. My parents were living in Arizona at that time. Um, and so it became an in-state, in-state tuition. So that's how I ended up at Arizona. Wonderful. And share with us, please, Charlie, if you have any maybe favorite university coffee stories for our listeners. Um, you know, I, 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 here's, here's an interesting one. You're making me go way back and remember things that I haven't thought about in a long time, which is kind of fun. <laughs> um, I got into a situation, and I was a freshman, and this was kind of shocking, but I ended up being a teacher's assistant for a programming class, um, uh, programming both Fortran and Pascal, which are computer programming languages that are a little outdated now, um, um, with a friend of mine. He was, he, I think at the time he was a junior um, okay. and, uh, we co-taught, uh, other freshmen, um, how to program in Pascal and Fortran. And, and Mike was a real coffee drinker. Um, and, um, that was one of my, one of my first times when I, when I sort of took coffee seriously, I drank a lot of tea in high school, um, cause of the school that I went to. Um, and so we would, we would always have coffee then the, the other Arizona, related story for coffee for me was I did an internship at, at IBM um, my junior year, I think that's right, okay. uh, working on summarines and working on the sonar systems for um, summarines. Um, at the time, the, the summarine is the, if, if anyone's read the book or if you read the book, The Hunt for Red October. Oh, right, uh, of course. The summer, the U.S. summering in that book is a Los Angeles class fast attack summering, and I worked on the the uh, code array sonar system for that um, in Manassas, Virginia. Um, it was like a four month internship, um, and my job actually was to sit in a lab that was outfitted just like the sonar room of the submarine, with a bunch of old Navy submariners. So these are old Navy officers who used to be in the Navy and on submarines. And they drank unbelievable amounts of coffee, and they preferred it about the consistency of motor oil. Wow. And so that's where I learned to really appreciate strong coffee. Yes. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Charlie. And I I think it's fascinating how you decided to get into systems engineering and pursue that degree. Were there any special mentors that you'd like to share with our listeners that really inspired you during your classes or your, when you were doing your teaching? Uh, you know, I had a, a, a moment when I was um, much younger, this goes way back, that was really influential on me uh, relative to computers. I think I was about 11 years old, maybe, maybe 11 and a half, and I went to visit my cousin in Michigan um, who had a manufacturing facility. I don't even remember what he made in his manufacturing facility, but I visited the, the factory, and he sat me down in front of his Apple II computer, um, and it was the first time I'd ever sat down in front of a computer, and I played this game on it. Um, it was called Castle, and you, mm-hmm. what you did in the game is you tell the computer uh, which angle you wanted your cannon to fire and how, what velocity you wanted. And then there would be another castle on the other side of the screen and your little cannon shell would go across the screen and see how close you could come to blowing up the other person's castle. Um, and I played this for a while and there was a programming book sitting next to the computer. It was a, the AppleSoft programming model for the Apple II. And I cracked it open and I started reading it and I realized how you could break into the computer and, and change things. And I did that and I changed something and I, and I, um, the program no longer worked. Um, and so I freaked out, I shut the computer off and I walked out into the factory and that was the last that, um, anyone heard of that. Um, but to me, that was one of the most influential things on, uh, for me is cause that was when I realized kind of the power that you could have if you learned how to program computers. Um, yes. You could make them do these things. Um, and so that, for me, that's where it all started. Wow, that's, that's so true. And you also then ventured to work for Microsoft. 
What was the first job that you did there at Microsoft? Yeah, I, uh, I started at Microsoft on July 2nd, 1990. Um, and I was fresh out of college. I literally drove from uh, Arizona to Seattle. Um, and my job was in what was called at the time the Windows SDK support team. Um, okay. What we did is other companies building programs for Microsoft Windows uh, needed developer support, technical support. And so we provided that technical support to them. Um, and that was my entry-level job in, into Microsoft was um, in, a, in a kind of a customer support role, um, helping other software developers build Windows applications. And what were, that's interesting. Those were those early days really at Microsoft and so pioneering. What were some of your favorite parts of the projects that you were involved in? A lot, of, a lot of very interesting characters. I had one really good friend who was who would do regularly just do handsprings down the hallway um, and it, for no apparent reason. Um, and I remember kind of being blown away by that. That was something that was okay to do in a professional work, work environment. Um, it was, it, it, you know, and that sort of defines, I think, how that, that early culture of Microsoft was was, was like that. Um, yes. Uh, uh, I, I, the, one of the one of the things that I that I, I I really enjoy about and I look back on my career that I'm I'm happy about and proud of is that I always felt like I was um, in an environment where I was working with people who were so much smarter than me and that I was kind of playing up um, and I could be always be learning and and um, and discovering new things um, and that never changed um, it even, doesn't even change today um, and it's it's really what motivates me. That is so motivating. Do you still keep in touch with some of those team members from some of those early days at Microsoft? I do. Uh, there's a funny story about that. I uh, um, there was one gentleman. One at the time, he was just a little bit older than me. Um, again, I was probably what would I have been? Twenty-two years old, twenty-three years old, something like that. Um, and I decided that I wanted to be him. Um, the job that he had at Microsoft. Um, working on the core of Windows and the types of stuff he was delivering to customers, um, I just thought was awesome. And I, and I, I was super smart and capable. Um, and so we became friends. Um, um, and we lost touch after a while, um, after I left Microsoft. And um, I started playing indoor soccer again and, um, and joined a team um, kind of randomly. And it turns out he's on that team. Great. And so we now see each other once a week and play soccer together once a week. Oh, that's that's great, Charlie. How fun that you keep in touch. I was wondering, before we go to break here in a few minutes, may we ask you um, a little bit about Seattle and a, as a community and kind of what the Seattle tech vibe is like? And um, also, you, you've been on boards like um, the board, the group called Buddy, as well as Student R&D. Give us, please, a quick snapshot of how you describe the vibe and, and what was it like working on those boards? Um, you know, I think, I think Seattle's got a very uh, healthy ecosystem for tech. Um, it's definitely, you know, biased towards cloud companies um, and cloud technologies. Um, um, but at the same time, it's, it, I think that Seattle sort of feels like it's a, um, a stepchild. Um, and a distant stepchild to uh, Silicon Valley or or Boston. Um, it always feels like uh, uh, Seattle can't do things fast enough or big enough relative to the the Bay Area um, uh, startup scene. And I think I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. And I think I think that what I would encourage people who live in Seattle or work in a space to do just kind of get over that and do our own thing. Um, because it's a it is a vibrant place, and there's no shortage of smart people doing really cool stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point, Charlie. Um, so true. And I think Seattle is definitely has a great tech vibe. And you've been so much a part of that as you've worked on um, various projects. And you also run um, what you call Kindle Systems LLC. Um, briefly tell us a little bit about some of the projects you've worked with with uh, Kindle Systems. <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a, of a joke now. Um, <laughs> I started... I started Kindle Systems when I was in high school. Um, it was the software company that I created so that I could um, have a, a fancy name for uh, this software that I, I started 
uh, first giving away and then uh, selling via this, this old technique that doesn't exist anymore, anymore called shareware. Um, okay. And the idea was that, that you, would, you would give your software away and put a little notice on it that, hey, if you like this software, you know, send $5 or $25 to this address. Um, and I wrote some programs in, in high school and then more in college um, where because of that, I just forever just had this stream of $5, $10, $25 checks showing up in wow. the mail. Um, and it was, so it was really created as a way of making sure that I was dealing with taxes, right, and stuff like that. Um, uh, and, but when I left Microsoft in 2011 and went out, uh, I left to go do startups and do my own thing um, yes. after being at, at, at Microsoft for so long. And I needed to have um, a limited liability company uh, uh, in order to be paid for consulting and so forth. Um, and so that's where I sort of revamped it again then. Um, and, and, and during that period, I discovered uh, that my experience was valuable to others and, and, and doing kind of management consulting and executive coaching and uh, technology consulting was uh, uh, pretty lucrative um, yes. and was relatively easy for me to, to, to find. And so Kindle Systems end, ends up kind of becoming more of, a, um, of my, my little consulting firm. Um, and once I, once I joined Amazon, um, uh, in 2013, I just didn't have time to do anything else with that. So it's just kind of sitting there as a, um, uh, for some future later date when maybe I'll get back into consulting or other things. Absolutely. And Charlie, we can't wait to hear about what it was like joining Amazon. What are some of your current projects? And maybe we might even be able to learn a little bit about how Alexa my order copy right after the break. So listeners, please join us. We've been talking with Charlie Kindle, who had the product development for smart home capabilities of Alexa at Amazon. Please join us. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvin Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. Listeners all around the world, we're just so happy you've joined us and we really are having such a nice visit with Charlie Kindle in Seattle. 
He heads up product development for smart home capabilities of Alexa at Amazon. And Alexa is the voice service that powers Amazon Echo. And we were just going to ask you, Charlie, how you became involved with Amazon. Please share with us. Um, It's an interesting story, I think. Um, I was doing the consulting thing. Amazon tried to recruit me. Um, I was not interested in going back to another big company. Um, and I offered to do some consulting for them. The initial response was, we don't hire consultants, which is very Amazonian. Um, and so I said, okay, well, that's, a, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um, they called back a little while later and said, no, we want you to come in and, and do the consulting gig. Um, it turns out the lady that was running this knew exactly what she was doing. She, she had learned, gotten to know me well enough to know that once I got inside the walls of Amazon, I would probably love it. Um, and she was absolutely yes. right. Um, and so that's how I ended up at Amazon. That's so fun. And so you've been heading up the team who actually has been developing some of that voice service there that powers Amazon Echo, Alexa. And if you were to fathom, let's say, if Alexa would actually order a cup of coffee, how do you think she'd actually say that? Well, that's the fun thing, Aniko, is that it actually works today. It isn't science fiction. Every morning... When I get in my car, before I get in my car, I say, Alexa, ask Starbucks to order my coffee. And, and Starbucks has built what's called a skill that works with Echo and Alexa, um, where you connect your Starbucks account, account to Alexa. And um, when I do that, when I tell Alexa to do that, what she does is she looks at my most recent mobile order that I've done with Starbucks. Yes. And orders it for me. And she asks me to confirm and so forth when I do it. Um, but the nice thing about that is my drive time to our Starbucks that's just up the road is about five minutes. And by the time I get there, my coffee, and sometimes I'll, I'll get a, a little piece of breakfast too, is sitting there waiting for me. And it's faster than getting in the drive through So I pull up, get out of my car, walk inside, grab my coffee, get back in my car and leave. And meanwhile, the drive through line hasn't moved at all. Oh, my goodness. That's just great. So Alexa really knows what you like. What's the latest coffee order that you placed at Starbucks? I'm pretty boring about that. I, I just get a triple grande non-fat latte. I've, that's what I've ordered forever. Um, I tend to also drink, I really like Americanos. Um, yes. uh, and I usually do those later in the day. Um, so um, I, 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 like, I like all kinds of coffee. Um, you know, some people are, 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 I have a sister She's probably going to listen to this, and she's going to be mad at me for saying this. One of my sisters uh, is a little bit of a coffee snob, um, <laughs> okay. and she'll only drink certain coffees. Um, I'm that way when it comes to scotch and beer, um, and, but I sort of decided with coffee, I don't care nearly as much, and I'll, I'll drink pretty much everything. Wow. So it's fascinating about this, this voice technology that your team is developing how, how is it working with the team there at Amazon, and um, what's it like leading product development for Alexa? What would you say is your leadership style? Um, I'm pretty vivacious and open. Um, I, I try and lead, kind of lead from the front, and, and I'll dive in deep myself with the team um, uh, versus um, kind of being disconnected. I like, I like being deeply involved with what's going on. Um, and that works well at Amazon because uh, Amazon leaders expected to dive deep. Um, right. um, so I'd, I'd say fairly hands-on is probably the best way to think about it. And as the team was kind of thinking about what would be, um, and you're probably asked this a lot, what would be kind of the right name or profile of the voice that we're trying to create? How, how did that all come about? How did you think of Alexa? Yeah, I, I actually wasn't around for the very beginning parts of that. So most of what, what uh, um, happened there, I don't know directly. I know that there's yes. more around it. Um, um, you know, the, the, the name is, is derived from the library of Alexandra um, uh, because the idea is that Alexa should know about everything. Um, yes. And it turns out that that name also, Alexa, has a, a nice clear uh, syllable break in it, which makes our automatic speech recognition um, uh, makes it easier for the, the, that software to detect that the customer is addressing Alexa. 
Um, so those are some of the reasons why that was chosen. So interesting. What I've read. <laughs> That's really interesting. I I find it fascinating about home auto, automation and what that looks like. And and you're really at just the forefront of how home automation can really be efficient. How would you describe that, how it looks today? Um, it's, I have a personal history with home automation that goes back into the early 90s. Um, was, I actually worked on this same set of technology areas uh, much earlier in my career and spent a lot of time thinking about it. And, and uh, I mostly felt at the end of all of that that I had pushed a lot of sand uphill um, and hadn't really moved the needle very far. Um, and mostly because, because the world wasn't really ready for it. Um, uh, and, and what's changed with since the, the introduction of Amazon Echo and Alexa is um, that ability to use voice to control your devices in your home, uh, it turns out to be a really magical experience and very delightful for customers. Um, and we, we become very convinced because the data tells us this the amount of customers engaging and using it that voice is the most natural UI for your home. Um, and I'll give you an example, and the audience an example to, to, um, to make this clear. Um, if I'm sitting in my, my reading chair at home, reading a book, and the sun goes down and I want more light, I have three choices to cause there to be more light. I can get off my butt, walk over to the light switch and flip it, cause the light to come on. Yes. Um, I can get my mobile phone out of my pocket, unlock it, navigate into my favorite smart home app, navigate within it to find the light I want to turn on, tap the button, and if I have a smart home, that light will turn on. It's kind of cool, but not yes. easier than getting up and walking across the room. Or I can simply say, Alexa, turn on the reading lamp. And so with voice, it turns out that all of these home automation scenarios are now actually easier and more friction-free than the old default light switch. And it's that simple reason which has caused, which is the, the primary cause of this explosion we've seen in, um, in customer usage, customer adoption, and uh, the entire industry investing more and more in it. Well, as you say, voice makes such sense as being the natural user interface, and uh, thank you for sharing that. That is that is so true, and it does seem like home automation is something that has become kind of standard, where it was something um, a few years ago that was very, very out there, and, and not every home had that, and it's just fun that you're so much a part of that. Um, as you travel around the world and you give talks um, about home automation and smart home technology, what have been some of your memorable travels as you've talked about Alexa? Um, I've, I've, I've been able to travel a fair amount because of the job that I'm in to meet with uh, um, smart home device companies around the world. Um, I had a really interesting trip last year where I was able to go to um, Brussels and present to the European Union, European Commission, yes. on our, uh, the vision for voice in the home. Um, and that was very interesting because I, I, I'd never personally had experienced um, like operating with um, government people at that level. Um, and so that was, that was a pretty interesting experience for me. Um, uh, and then, I've, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, London is a fantastic city and it's fun to visit. And, um, and so, you know, any, anytime we en end up going to Europe, being able to go visit London or Amsterdam, um, is pretty awesome. And of course the coffee, um, in Europe is, is usually very good, particularly the espresso. Absolutely. And you were mentioning Brussels. You must have had some delicious beer while you were there. Please share with us. What was your favorite beer experience? Uh, we visited a um, monastery in uh, southern Belgium, just north of, of France, called Orval, O-R-V-A-L. And 
Um, this, mo- this monastery has been run by these monks for I don't know how many thousand years, hundreds of years. Um, no, it's been thousands. Um, and the monks brew the beer. And so it's effectively a brewery um, in a monastery. And um, the tour of the monastery, the, the valley it's in, this kind of really cool European, very green and um, lush valley with this beautiful monastery um, was, was just really cool, cool. And I love the beer. And so I actually got back here. I went to, um, I think it was Bevmo, um, and, uh, and I bought their entire supply, um, which was only, I think, 11 bottles. But, um, uh, and then anytime I see it on a shelf now, I'll buy it. Um, it's one of my favorite beers. That experience, thank you for sharing that and taking us there with you. I can just picture, and it's not only wonderful, delicious beer, and it's incredible they make it themselves, but I can just picture the whole experience in a monastery with the monks. How incredible. You were also touching on a little bit of your favorite espressos. Would you have a favorite cafe that you've, you remember in Europe that you love to think about? Hmm a good question um i do just the general concept of those outdoor cafes that are in most european cities um where there's there's generally a, a you know a large open promenade with with the the little restaurants and cafes around with tables at it um we need more of that here because <laughs> um, that's really awesome um uh so uh, probably not a specific uh example that I can come up with, but generally the general idea of that. Yeah, that's a beautiful idea. Seattle has some really nice cafes, and would you have a favorite when you're there downtown working at Amazon? You know, I'm so busy um, that, that yeah. generally it's whatever is the most convenient. The good news is, is uh, you know, I can uh, Starbucks is okay in the morning, but later on in the day I, I, I do I like a little bit more stronger coffee. Um, the, the coffee shop that's in our building uh, yes. I'm fortunate to be in the building uh, in downtown Seattle, Amazon's building, that is called Day One. It's the one next to the the big giant spheres that have been built, the glass spheres. Oh, right. um, and the coffee shop in our building um, is actually quite good. Um, and so um, I don't even, I'm so busy, always in meetings, and so I don't even have to leave the building and I can get good coffee. That sounds like it works out really well. And I can imagine your team meetings sometimes there is coffee involved in those team meetings and, and, uh, and you share over meetings and chat a bit. So I can just picture all that, which is really fun. Charlie, we can't wait to also talk a little bit more about what you think home automation might look like in the future. And we've really enjoyed hearing a little bit about how you joined Amazon and some of your favorite experiences as you've traveled. And so right after the break, listeners, we're going to talk more with Charlie Kindle um, about what the future might have in store. So please join us right after the break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on The Voice America Channel. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are sharing some amazing and inspiring stories with Charlie Kindle, who heads up product development for smart home capabilities of Alexa. Alexa is the voice service that powers Amazon Echo at Amazon. And we were just talking with Charlie about how he ended up starting out with Amazon and a little bit about even how maybe Alexa might order coffee. And we were just going to ask you, Charlie, about what do you think home automation and smart home capability will look like in the future? We are so excited to learn from you. Let's talk a little bit about what it can do today. Um, we Alexa currently supports... Um, Lighting, thermostats, door locks, security cameras, um, and even ovens. And so, for example, I can tell Alexa, in my house, I pulled a geeked out on this a long time ago. So I have like over 200 devices in my home that are controllable by Alexa. Um, We can uh, turn on lights, individual lights. We can set the color of lights. So Alexa, um, make the overhead light red. Or Alexa, make the lights in the living room cooler. Um, and they become a, a, a cooler shade of white. Um, uh, we can turn on and off TVs or set the volume. Alexa, make the music louder in the living room. Um, uh, Alexa, make it warmer in here. Uh, and all of those end up causing the devices in the house to change their state based on what, what you told Alexa. Um, moving forward, what we're going to see is more and more devices are going to become connected and smart. Um, today, lighting is by far the most popular. Um, thermostats are very popular. Cameras are very popular. Uh, good camera scenario, which, which we, we use all the time and, and, and parents really love, which is, Alexa, show me the baby room camera. And if you have an all Alexa right. device that has a screen or a Fire TV, that video feed will just show up right on that device based on you asking for it. Um, and so... Those are the devices we support now, but what you're going to see is you're going to see pretty much anything, um, any device that you have is going to become digital and connected. Um, uh, We now have support built into Alexa for for controlling microwave ovens. So you're able to say, Alexa, um, uh, defrost two pounds of chicken. And if you have a smart, smart microwave oven, instead of trying to figure out how to use all those buttons on the front of it, you'll just be able to say that. Um, we're going to see it uh, adopted in your washer and dryer and your dishwasher and your refrigerator. Um, there are already coffee machines that support um, uh, control from Alexa. Um, well, we see a lot of customers who in the morning say, Alexa, turn on the coffee maker or Alexa, start making coffee. Um, that's very real today already. It's going to become even more real as more and more of the standard devices, not just the high-end expensive ones, but the, the standard ones get these capabilities. Um, so that's a big part about it. Pretty much anything you can imagine, you're going to be able to control with your voice. Um, but the other thing is we need to make it so that Alexa is smarter, so that she's able to, to uh, uh, not necessarily do just what you say, but what you mean. Because like when we, you and I talk to each other, Anako, um, I, can, I can stutter or transpose words and you'll still know what I mean. And since you and I have a long history together, we know each other going way back, I can also say things where, because you have that context about me, yes. you know what I mean. Um, right. Uh, so, for example, if I refer to, to someone else named Charlie, because we both know that Charlie, you know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so what, one of the things we're also going to see is more and more, um, Alexa will be able to take advantage of other contexts um, to be even more intelligent and more natural in how you converse with her um, uh, for how you interact with the devices around you. 
Oh, it's just fascinating. I hope one day, Charlie, that Alexa might be able to help us pick our coffee, red cherry off of the coffee trees. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't. I didn't mention uh, robotic vacuum cleaners and robot devices. They also have Alexa support. Um, so, for example, if you have a, a Roomba robot uh, that supports internet connectivity, you can say, Alexa, start vacuuming. Um, and so that's not very far away from having um, a robot that could go out and pick your coffee beans. Right. Oh, that's a dream. <laughs> and we've been talking a little bit about home automation and about the future and what it looks like today. But I think it'd be so fun to share, Charlie, what are maybe some of your personal dreams? Um, well, I think you know about my passion around old German cars. Yes. Um, yeah. um, and so I have a, a bit of a dream about being able to have a little bit more time and bandwidth to uh, spend on those projects. Um, uh, I also have, I, I have car people like myself tend to have lists of cars they lust after. Um, I have a short list of cars that I would love to someday own. Um, that short list has probably 150 cars on it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I got to chip away at one of the, each one of those one at a time over time. And, uh, um, uh, and, and I, that, that's a great release for me. It's a great hobby for me to, to be able to, to do that. Um, love, tr- love the ability to travel more. Um, both Julie and I love uh, adventuring around the world. Um, and so that's another, another dream for me personally. Yes, your wife, Julie, is, is so wonderful. And, and I can imagine traveling. It will be really fun adventures ahead. If you were to describe, Charlie, like your favorite car project at all time, because I know you restore BMWs and older cars and maybe I think even Porsches. But if you were to describe that, that one, how would that look? Are you talking about in the future or previous where I've already well, experienced it? just in general, what is it that makes for you kind of your favorite car project? If you could just share with our listeners, what does it look like, the type of car, what it entails yeah. that you really get into? Um, yeah, it, it starts with this idea that, that um, I love going and tackling problems where I have no idea what I'm doing um, <laughs> and then learning and becoming good at it. Um, and so a couple years ago, I decided with this, I have a 1987 BMW 535i-S, um, the, the internal BMW name for that model was the E28. Um, this car is, uh, is red. It's a, it's a, um, a red that's described as Cinnabar or Xenobrot red. Um, and I bought it in 2013 to be the car that I drive to work every day. Um, and when I bought it, um, I'd never owned one of these cars before, but I saw one in high school loved, and that's why I wanted it. Um, when I bought it, it was in pretty good shape. It drove well, but the engine was getting a little tired. Um, and I had never built an engine before. Um, and so with my son um, involved, uh, we kind of asked the question, well, how hard could it be? Um, <laughs> and we started collecting parts. Uh, we bought an old engine from another car um, and actually bought another engine from another car. And out of all those parts, we built basically a brand new engine um, in my garage. Um, and... When we finally got that new engine installed in the car and all wired up and plugged in and got to that, that moment where you start it for the first time right? and it actually started and ran smoothly, wow. <laughs> um, that was pretty incredible because um, your know, engines are, they turn out they're pretty complicated and there's a lot of things that when you're assembling one, if, especially if you don't know what you're doing, which, which we didn't, um, that could have gone wrong. <laughs> And for the most part, um, we got everything right. Uh, that engine, by the way, um, the car is downstairs in the garage uh, right now, and I drove it into work today. Um, it's had about 25,000 miles on that engine since we rebuilt it, and it's running like a top. Oh, that's, that's so fun that you shared that project also with your son. And, and look, here you, you are driving that car. It's been so fun. I think I know you also like to do um, – other hobbies as well. I think it's 
fascinating that you had this interest in maybe software or programming, and you also had the interest in cars, and you actually are are pursuing both of those in your everyday. But I also know you have other hobbies like skiing and heli skiing and wakeboarding, and you've been an incredible soccer coach, um, which and you also take incredible photographs, Charlie and. I've loved seeing some of your photo of the day, um, and you also have had amazing travels from Africa to Istanbul, and um, you photograph nature and, and bears and fishing and, and planes. How did you get involved in your interest in, in taking that snapshot in that moment? Because your photographs are beautiful. Well, thank you for that. I don't. I'm not sure I get much credit uh, for doing it because my 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 technique for photography is um, to take lots and lots of photos. Unfortunately, with digital photos, you can do that. Um, and it, I, I've, what I found is that if you do that, you take a lot of photos. Every once in a while, one of them turns out to be really good. Um, <laughs> and uh, that that's coupled with with the fact I've just been blessed. Uh, with these opportunities to go to some of these places and, 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 and see these sites and get the opportunity to get, the, get a lens on some of these things. Um, but I also, I do enjoy the, the, the geekiness of all the knobs and the dials and the settings that cameras have. Um, and so uh, part of my, my interest is, is not just the outcome of the photos that turn out good, but, but uh, the, being able to play with the gadgets. <laughs> Right. What is what is your camera that you're using? May I ask? Uh, well, frankly, the camera that's on my most my most recent smartphone is really good, um, and, I, and it means I haven't gotten my digital SLR out in a while. But it's a um, it's a Nikon D seventy one hundred, and so I'm generally a Nikon guy, um, and I have a. a, a set of lenses that I've collected over the years. Um, but frankly, I haven't used it in probably nine months. Because um, huh. these new smartphone cameras are so good. And your travels that are coming up, I always know you have some interesting places in store. What's what's latest on the on the adventure agenda, Charlie? Well, there might be an, an Australia trip coming up sometime. There's talk about a trip to Dubai. Um, uh, I think that's it for in the next nine or 12 months that are currently planned. But both those, both those sound kind of exciting to me. Oh, definitely. And I, I think it's amazing how you, you really balance your time, um, you know, wonderful times with your family, you know, with your hobbies. Um, you read interesting books. And of course, uh, you do an incredible job heading up, you know, product development there uh, at Amazon. How, how do you balance your time, Charlie? Um, not very well, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I power through it. And I, and I have to be clear that I have an extremely supportive family, particularly uh, Julie is my wife. Um, uh, and we have a, a really good partnership, I think. Um, uh, and I and I don't require all that much sleep, so that's part of it as well. Um, but I'm a busy guy. I love being busy. I love going, 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 and and doing lots of things. And so um, sitting still and idle, uh, watching TV is not really. I'll watch TV, but um, I'd rather be doing something um, than just sitting around. Well, and you're doing a lot, and the stories that you've shared are so amazing. I, I'm curious, if you were to give some words of wisdom to students who are right now contemplating getting into systems engineering um, or product development, what would be some of the things you would suggest to them? I think the most important thing is and I don't think this applies to everybody on a code, but if you can find something you love doing where the, the work involved in doing whatever it is doesn't feel like work, it feels like play, do more of that. Um, uh, I was blessed where early on writing code for computers and working on computers never, never felt like work for me. 
Um, and I was, even when I got paid for it, I was always like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I know that's not true of everyone. Not everybody lucks into that type of thing. Um, and, and, and people have different things they love doing and the work they love doing. Um, and so my biggest piece of advice is if you, if there's something you love doing, just do more of that and, and you'll be successful. That's really a good suggestion and, and definitely good words for upcoming students. And as we kind of think about your career and all that that you've done to further home automation and also even back at Microsoft, helping Windows developers develop their apps for Windows and, um, you know, all how your even your Kindle systems consulting how would you describe, and as we close here, it'd be so fun to share with our listeners, what would you say you're most proud of? My family, my kids. Your family, yes. Yes. Yeah, you have- um, I'm choking up here, Aniko. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, I've been blessed with uh, an amazing family and a set of friends that went along with that. Um, your family is included in that, um, that um, have been there to support us and um, yeah. Well, Charlie, you know, we appreciate you sharing your amazing stories and your heartfelt stories. And we're so grateful to you for joining us today on My Favorite Coffee Story and inspiring our listeners to follow their dreams and their passions and to do what they love and, and also sharing a little bit about what it takes to um, head up a product development team at Amazon and and also look at what the future might look like for home automation. Yeah. So thank you so much, Charlie, for joining us. It's been such an honor, and we're really grateful to you. So thank you. And also to our listeners, we'd love to express our gratitude to you as well. Thank you for joining us. We always appreciate sharing inspiring stories together. And so thank you for being with us. And of course, we like to share our Anikona gift at anikona.com to our listeners, our 15% gift. And if you'd like to continue the conversations, we love hearing from you. You can send us questions at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. So thank you again. And in the meantime, have a wonderful, relaxing week. And we look forward to being together next week on My Favorite Coffee Story. And we wish you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.